0: you're like me, and you pay attention to basketball and pop culture, one of the biggest things in the 90s was this little commercial by Gatorade, and it featured this player named Michael Jordan. And the commercial that was very popular back in the day for Gatorade was, Sometimes I dream that he is me. I want to be like Mike. If I could only be like Mike, if I if I could be like Mike. Everyone wanted to be like Mike. One of those kids who wanted to be like Mike back in the day was a kid named Kobe Bryant. And correct me if I'm wrong later, but of all the players that wanted to be like Mike, he got closest and the question is, how did he do it? How did Kobe Bryant become so good of a basketball player? He did it by imitating Michael Jordan. He imitated his hair, or the lack thereof. <laughs> he imitated his mannerisms, tongue out and uh, chewing bubblegum, and his work ethic, which is killer, and his play style, which today still works. And it got results. He got five championships and maybe counting. And he did it by following Michael Jordan and doing what Michael Jordan did. I'm not here to say that Kobe Bryant is a great role model, but it shows us that if you want to be like someone, to follow someone, such as a personal role model, we imitate them. We do what they do. The Christian life is really not that different, because the goal of the Christian life is to be like Christ. And it's not just a dream, it's a duty, it's a joy to be like Christ. If I, if I could be like Christ. To be like Christ is to imitate Him, to follow Him, which brings us to today's text. Um, and as we read and study the text together today, I want you to leave you with this idea. I want you to see this. To follow Christ is to join Him in all He does, including suffering. To follow Christ is to join him in all he does, including suffering. So open your Bibles to Hebrews 13, verses 12 to 14. Hebrews 13, verses 12 to 14. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Please join me in a prayer as before we delve into God's word. Heavenly Father, be with us today as we study Hebrews 13 and see what it has to say about missions and the Christian life for us, namely... To follow Christ is to suffer with Him, and to see the glory that is before us in the city to come. Be with my mouth as we preach, and may your words be seen today. Just pray. Amen. In the context of this passage right here in Hebrews, it's at the very end of Hebrews. The beginning of the first half of Hebrews is basically a great theological exposition Showing us how Jesus is greater than everything. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than the high priest. Jesus is greater than the temple. And shows us that Jesus is even greater than our sins. And he did it by dying on the cross for our sins. Which then leads us to the second half of Hebrews, which is the so what? So great, Jesus is greater. We got that. It's great. Now what? In many ways, the text we read this morning is a summary of the so what part. So Jesus is great. What do we do with that? The author of Hebrews gives us two reasons in this passage for a job that we need to do. And we see here in the first verse, the first reason is because Jesus suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Now, what it says here, Jesus suffered outside the gate, this reflects a lot of Old Testament themes right here. It it can refer to the scapegoat in the Old Covenant, where the high priest would lay his hands upon a goat, and put upon the goat ceremonially the sins of the people, and then they let the goat go outside the camp, outside the city, and let it die in the wilderness taking away from the city their sins. And that was a picture of what Christ did. If you guys remember, in the Gospels, Jesus carried the cross outside Jerusalem and was crucified outside the city. In many ways, you can say that Jesus is the final scapegoat. His death on the cross dealt with our sin completely and finally, like totally done. But that's not only what he does. It's not just paying for our sins. But the cross, his death, makes us holy. Holiness is a marker for the people of God. And we see in Old Testament, you do this thing, you do this thing, you should believe this thing, you should not do this thing. Not because it saves them, but it marks them as a people for God. And if you guys remember also in the Old Testament, Moses sprinkled the people with blood. Not because it was gross, but he sprinkled them to mark them out as his people. They're a bought people. We've made this promise to God as our covenant maker. And now we are sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ to be the new covenant people. So the cross makes us holy because Christ accomplishes for us the holiness needed and His blood marks us as His people. So when God looks at us and asks us, are you part of the New Covenant people? Yes, we we are marked by the blood of Jesus Christ from the cross. So that's what Jesus has done for us. Because of that reality, we have a job to do. Because Jesus died? Therefore, Let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. Now, you may ask me, but didn't Jesus already go outside the camp for us? Why do we need to go outside the camp too? Didn't Jesus already do that for us? One of the beautiful things about Christianity is that Jesus promises to always be with us. And guess what? Know where he is? Outside the camp. So if we're going to be with Jesus, we can't stay in our camp. We've got to go where Jesus is. Wherever that may be, that's where we need to go. So the question bears, what is our camp? What is the camp? It's simply really wherever we are from which Christ calls us out from. That's our camp. So if Christ is there, and we are here, this is our camp. What we need to do is get out of the camp and go to Jesus. And what does this camp represent? I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, camping grounds and uh, kumbaya, my Lord. It's not exactly what I'm talking about. But what, rep- what camp represents for us is, you can even say our safety, you know, mm-hmm. in in those times when people were nomads traveling together in a band, camp represents safety, safety in numbers, safety with people that you know. It represents comfort, right? It represents comfort Uh, because that's with people we know, food that we like. You can even say ease because we have some sort of civilization in the camp. And happiness because we're with people that we know and love and uh, doing things that we enjoy in our camp. So if that's what's in the camp, what's outside the camp? Outside the camp is danger, exposure, hardship, and suffering. Everything that is opposite of what's in the camp. If inside we have, if inside the camp we have teddy bears to play with, outside the camp we have bears who would like to play with us. Um, maybe "play" is too weak of a word, but uh, this is church and we need to keep it. Uh, Safe, I guess. But it's outside the camp. It's dangerous. It's, it's hazardous. It can kill you. It can literally kill you. But that's where Jesus is. And if Jesus suffered outside the camp, how can we do any less? And besides, he's there. But we're not only called to go outside the camp. But we have a job to do outside the camp as well. We are called to bear the reproach he endured. Bear the reproach he endured. And one of the biggest things about the Christian life is that we are growing in Christ likeness all the time. So to be with Christ is to be united to him. And to be united to be with Christ is to be united with him in life and suffering. To be with Christ is to suffer. Um, not not to say that there 's no comfort or peace in the Christian life, but a very real part of being a Christian is suffering and doing the hard things we see in John fifteen verse eighteen because Jesus was hated and he was hated very much for what he did and what he said and for who he is, if the world hates you and me, it was hated Jesus was hated before it we were hated. So if Jesus suffered outside the gate to, for our sins, there's a very real sense that we join Christ in that. And suffering outside the gate is not just uh, a willy-nilly, let's suffer, but it is a privilege granted to those who are in Christ. Philippians 1 verse 29 says, before It is granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. And 1 Peter 3, verse 10 says, For what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But when if you do good and suffer for it, you endure? It is a gracious thing in the sight of God. It is a blessing to suffer. It is a blessing to suffer for the sake of Christ. Colossians 1.24 says, It also fills up what is lacking in the sacrifice of Christ. So to suffer with Christ in a very... Real yet mystical spiritual sense completes the suffering of Christ for his church. It it brings to mind Christ's sufferings when we suffer doing what is right. It completes that for the church. It's not just also suffering because we imitate Christ, but it's, sometimes it's also discipline for Christians. Hebrews 12, or 7 to 8 says, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. So when we suffer, it's also discipline. We, we figure out that this world really isn't that much of a big deal. What's the big deal is Christ and what he has for us. And because we're so tangled up with this world, it hurts when we take up those things that entangle us to this world. It hurts. So why do we suffer? Again, think about why do we suffer. What what is to suffer for? As we know in the scriptures, the whole world is against Christ. It's not just horribly lost in their sins, which they are, but they are contrary, rebelling against God. And if you're for Jesus... Guess what? The whole world is your enemy. When you preach the gospel to your neighbors, you will face persecution. When you live out the Christian life and Christian values, people will mock that and consider you stupid and out of touch with this world. They will probably consider you not fun to be around because you're saying no to this and no to that. Or maybe you're saying yes to this and yes to that, but the world says no to. You're completely (laughs) anti-world. And if you're not with us, you're against us. So think about it. Seven, th- seven, bi- over seven billion people in the world, most of them don't know Jesus. And guess what? If you're with Jesus, they're your enemy in, in a very real sense. And it's no wonder why the Bible calls evangelism and missions as war, the Christian life as war. And war is suffering. So with that in mind, it is normal to suffer for Christ. Maybe the bigger question is, if we don't suffer, why not? Something we need to think about. But we're not just called to suffer just for the sake of Christ, but we have a positive goal for this. So we're not just suffering pain, 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 but we also have a good reason to suffer. Because here... We have no lasting city. But we seek the city that is to come. We seek the city that is to come. The cities and camps we are in right now where we're comfortable, where we're safe, uh it, it may it be our jobs, may it be our school, maybe our families, maybe our city, nation, whatever, the cities and camps right now will not last. They will not last. They will all pass away. They'll all go with the wind, gone forever. But what does last? It is the city to come. The kingdom of God revealed to all of us, the new Jerusalem, where God is the king of that city, where we see God face to face. No more sadness, no more sickness. Christ is glorified. God is worshipped by everyone from every tribe and nation. That is the city to come there's no more suffering in that city, no more pain, no more sin. Everyone enjoy and peace, worshiping Christ as worthy. Sounds like a good city to me. Very beautiful city, and that, that's just the spiritual part of it. We're not even talking about the physical pleasures and the, the mind-blowing things that Heaven has for us that we don't even know. It's not even in Scripture. Scripture says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Translation, you don't even know what the city of God is to be like. It's so amazing. We don't even have enough words for it. If if that's the city we're working towards, if that's the city we're leaving the city to be with Christ outside the camp... Is it really that much of a sacrifice? you Think about it. Is it really that much of a sacrifice if this is going away and we're going to a permanent place that it will never be destroyed where we will have eternal life with Christ? It's really not. I mean, you decide for yourself what is more important. So in light of the city to come, why stay in a city that's going to be destroyed? It's just a smart thing to do. It's a smart thing to do. Now, so what? So we've seen that we have two reasons to do the job of going outside the city and bearing the reproach of Christ in sharing the gospel and living the Christian life. We have questions to ask ourselves. Do we really seek to follow Christ? To follow Christ is to be where he is. Is he where you are right now? Ask yourself that. We need to ask ourselves that. Second question, are we willing to leave our camps? A Christian life is the willingness to follow Christ wherever he may be. Are we willing to leave our jobs, families, cities, homes, loved ones for Christ? I'm not saying that he may do something drastic to you, but he may. He may ask you to do that. And we also have to ask you, what is your camp? What is the camp we need to leave? Is it uh, Ease? Is it this city? This literal city? Um, For John, one day, it will be to leave Grace Fellowship Church. And it's sad, but that's the truth. That's the sacrifice we need to be if we want to be with Christ. Another... I think to ask, what is outside our camps? What is outside our camps? We see here, for us, a, lit, a building complex there, Heather House. See across there, Economy Inn. And a bunch of other houses, and living complexes, uh, restaurants down the road. There's a lot of things to do outside the camp. It's not safe. I mean, recently, I mean, they caught the drug dealer at Economy Inn. It's not safe outside the camp. It really is dangerous. But if Christ is there, if Christ is at Economy Inn, calling us, be with me and suffer with me for the sake of these people. That's Christ calling, not me. Not just the author of Hebrews. That's Jesus calling us to join him in wherever he is. Personally, for me, or we at right now, is preparing for missions. That's what uh, I'm at seminary for. Um, that's what I'm taking my MDiv for, just to study how best to share the gospel, to suffer Christ outside the city. And God willing, for Esther and I, we're leaving the city of Louisville. We're leaving the camp of the United States of America to join Christ where he needs, where we, he needs us to be. Right now, it seems that it's East Asia. Uh, that's as far as we know. And it's hard. It's hard. I mean, a lot. My my parents are here. Esther's parents are in India. You know, the it's and with all you guys here. I love Grace Fellowship Church. Been with here since the beginning, and um, a lot of heart ta- entanglements that connect me deep to Grace Fellowship Church, and it would be very, very tough, very tough to leave. But if Christ is not just here, but out there, and he's calling me to join him in his sufferings in East Asia, where there's so much potential for the gospel to spread there. there the, the, the harvest is ripe for the harvest there. And even whatever suffering there may be in East Asia, if the city to come is coming, I need to be there. I need to be there. I don't know what your personal camp is. I don't know uh, what city you feel comfortable in. It may just be very simple as maybe I'm not supposed to be in this job. Maybe I'm not supposed to be in this school. Very simple ones. Maybe my my outside the camp is to talk to my neighbor beside me. Maybe that's the camp that we need to get away from. Whatever it is, just know, even if it's pure suffering, to go outside the camp and to to follow Christ in His suffering, we have a future joy to see. A future joy. In the city to come. To follow Jesus. To join him in all he does. Including suffering. But it's not just suffering. There is a glory to come. There will be one day. No more suffering. But we look back on suffering. It's like oh yeah we did that. It was great. But now we are here in the city to come. And it has come. But until that day. Until that day. Let's keep moving on, leaving our camps behind to join Christ. I'll give you a moment of silence to meditate on Hebrews thirteen twelve to 14. And after a few minutes, I will close this in prayer. Father, search our hearts. Reveal to us the cities and camps that we need to leave from. Reveal it to us. So that we might join Christ and to share in all that he is and all that he does, because we have no last city where we seek the city that is to come, mm-hmm. make that clear to us, Father, make that plainly hurtfully clear to us what we need to leave behind, so that we might see clearly and enjoyingly see Christ so then I pray.